Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 178 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. We've held off and held off over the last week or so in regards to to getting our first summer podcast out. Um, but unfortunately, we're, we're here Sunday morning, Father's Day, and uh, I think it's time to record. Although, as we all know, Bill Kenlight still remains at the club, but there has been a lot of change um, and a lot of a lot of news out of Goodison Park uh, over the last the last five, six days or so. Um, the, the biggest one and the best place to start is has got to be the boardroom changes that were brought about on Monday. Um statement came out, was at five o'clock Monday to, to confirm that Denise Barrett, Baxendale, Grant Singles and Graham Sharp had all been removed from the board and left, left the, the roles within the board of Everton Football Club and that an interim board would be appointed and we should expect an announcement and a statement in 48 hours in regards to that and also the future of Chairman Bill Kenwright. As we all know, there's been no update, but let, let's go back to the original original point, Pete. We were expecting these changes, weren't we? You know, we know what happened over the course of the, the second half of last season, the fan protests, when the final whistle went against Bournemouth after the, the initial 10 seconds of relief um, and jubilation. There was then the calls for sack the board, you're not fit to run the club, etc., etc. So we expected these changes to occur. Probably not as quickly as they did, to be honest with you. I think a lot of us thought that maybe that first week after the final game of the season, we would see see movement. We didn't. We did get, get, get the confirmation that, as I say, the, the three individuals had left the board as of Monday, uh, just gone. What What's your take on that? Is, are, you, are you surprised by it? Did you expect it? Has it come later than you thought? 
I'm not. I'm not surprised by it. I think that the thing I am surprised by, which we'll we'll come on to in a minute, is I, I suppose that some of them have gone and one of them hasn't or hasn't as yet. Um, and you know that is arguably strange. I, I think. I think it's a real statement of how much the fans' trust in the club has been absolutely decimated, um, given that these changes at board level have, have, have been needed. I mean, often your chairman and your owner are kind of like the the, the kernel on the bucket, so, so to speak. You know, they're, they're kind of the figureheads for the club. And if things aren't going right, you know, they, they kind of become the target of, you know, the ire and the need for change. And, you know, with not just with football clubs, but often with big organisations, a lot of that change is kind of performative, isn't it? They just kind of change the face on the bucket and things don't really change that much. So the, the, the fact that, you know, the fans have an awareness of things playing out at a board level and that such systemic change has been necessary, I, I just think is a, a statement of what ter- terrible trouble we've been in and just how bad the relationships become between, you know, the, the fans and the club. I feel like the the fans are kind of the last bit of glue holding everything together and the right people just need to kind of rally around and, and help us rebuild. So it's absolutely necessary that, um, you know, Baxendale, Ingalls and Sharp have, you know, have had to go. And I, I just think the way the club handled um, some of the things that were, were kind of you know, some of the accusations that were levied toward the fans was, you know, really, really poor. You know, they they essentially turned on the fans, which, you know, I, I don't want I don't want to drag up the past, but it's it's the recent past, and it's 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 important in understanding where we are now, and I, I think it's a really important lesson the club need to learn, and that lesson can only come through mass systemic change. So, it, it's absolutely the right call, but. You know, I think everyone's kind of waiting for the last bit of this change to drop. And until that point, you know, we, we can't move forward. We can't focus on the future, can we? Totally agree. I think, I think you know, the, the final piece in the, in the jigsaw to fall, obviously Bill Kenlight is still there. And, and until that particular point, as a club, as fans, we, we, we can't look to move forward. That, that seems to be holding up a lot of things. The fact that Bill Kenlight is still is still obviously at the club and, you know, we, we do expect further movements on that, of course. Um, but isn't, isn't it just, you know, typical of Everton Football Club to release their own statement on the Monday to confirm the removal of, of the three board members and then give, give their own deadline and, and not stick to it? It's, it's typical of, of the way that we feel the club has been run in recent times and, and says it already, but... But Lee, what's what's your thoughts on on things there in regards to to the three board members that have gone? Obviously, Graham Sharp and East Barrett Baxendale and Grant Ingalls have all all left the club, and we find ourselves now with solely Bill Kenwright as the the only surviving surviving board member. What's your opinion in terms of the removal of those three? Did it come as quickly as you thought it would? Well, yeah, I think I think to be fair, it was it was long overdue. I think a lot of us as fans, um, let's be honest, expected that decision to be made pretty much after the last game of the season, didn't we? So the fact that it was delayed a little bit further than that probably hurt a few people. Um, but for me, the main thing is you know process or progress is being made, and and let's be honest, 
the vast majority of us fans aren't stupid. You know, most of us have been campaigning for it. The club definitely needs change from the very top in order to change um, the culture, change, you know, pretty much everything how it's run. You know, modern day football now, you can't get away with like a theatre impresario running your club, can you? Let's be honest. You know, most of the successful clubs out there now really, you know, are well-organised, well-run. I mean, you know, I know City aren't the best example, but basically state-owned and have some of the best people in football behind the scenes. But they're the first, you know, for the first time now, they've won the treble and you can't see them slowing down. But if you look at that, that's that's having the blueprint from the very start, isn't it? And then having a plan and working towards it. And, and I've mentioned it before, you've seen other teams in the league on way less budgets like your Brentfords and your Brightons, again, just well-oiled machines. So for me, I think, you know, Bill's, Bill's the last piece of the jigsaw now, isn't he? And I think it's only a matter of time before he does go. Um, and obviously, the time he's been at the club and everything else, it'll be a, a pretty momentous occasion, but it needs to happen. Um, some of the replacements that have been mooted in, in, in the Athletic and, and other, other, other uh, papers as well. Um, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, that'll be very interesting to see who we actually do bring in. You know, as, as big a news as these guys go in, It'll be, for me, very interesting to see who Farhad brings in uh, on the board. Now, obviously, with MSP Capital coming in, it's going to be people linked to them, isn't it? Because they're going to demand seats on the board as part of the deal. And that's pretty normal. That's normal in business, isn't it? So, I don't know what you boys think, but I just think um, we need people who come in with far more business acumen who know how to know how to run you know, a sizable business, because that's what we are now. Well, most definitely, and... Obviously, where we are today, I think that there's, there's still that element of of limbo, really, isn't it? And and until that final the final uh, person falls, then as I said earlier on, we just can't look to to move forward, and the fans can't look to to sort of reset. And you know, it's it, it's boardroom bingo in a way because we're hearing so many names. Obviously, we've had the three outgoing. We we believe obviously Bill Kennett will also be gone as well. Um, you mentioned obviously MSP Capital will bring their own people in, which they will to have their own representation. You've then got um, local businessmen George Down and Andy Bell uh, are a favourite to, to be given the places on the board. Um, so it's it just seems a little bit yet again the way we've gone about our business is is for me very amateur. You know, it should have been a crystal clear decision that's been made. They've all gone. I know, obviously, there's, don't get me wrong, there's legal ramifications with anything like this. But if you've got four board, uh, outgoing board members, then you replace them with whatever. So th- th- it's seamless. They come in at the same time. You then meet all, all the requirements of the set, obviously, uh, as a business. Um, and Everton, yet again, haven't done that. Now, again, if reporters were to be believed, Bill Kenwright offered his resignation on Monday. And it was Farhad Mishiri who said, well, just hold fire. Let's have a conversation. Um, you know, other other people believe difference that this isn't the case. It's Bill Kenwright dragging his heels. But whatever the situation, it's got to be rectified sooner rather than later because we we can't keep going on. You know, time's ticking. Let let's get it right. We know the season's over. We know the players are back for pre-season shortly. You know, another sort of two or three weeks, and they're going to be back in. Um, and and we're still sitting in a, in a scenario where we haven't. Obviously, replaced outgoing board members. The the investment from MSP Capital hasn't yet officially been signed off. Um, so it, you know it doesn't. It's not a great look for the club, really, is it, Pete? The fact that you know 
maybe potentially players who are looking for new clubs. Now we know Everton are going to be fishing in the in the three transfer markets and, and the low markets especially. Um, but it's not a good look for for you know players coming in and they think, well, I'm gone. You haven't even got a board. The, the unrest between fan fans and club is still still there. Um, and it's you know when when you're trying to attract players to this football club after having two terrible seasons that we've been fighting relegation, we don't need another reason for players not to sign, do we? No, de- definitely. And, and look, the, the best evidence of this is January. Look, look at what happened in January. We're we're in the mix for this, the, the the same players that Nottingham Forest, Southampton, and Bournemouth were were scrapping with us for, and we lost. And I, I just think that that's unbelievable for you know a, a club of Everton size. If you're offering players like that contracts, and and you know those players don't believe in the division that is Everton Football Club. If you know if IU is turning us down to go to Nottingham Forest, that that for me is you know is mind blowing. And that's not just because you know again my Everton bias. I, I think probably the vast majority. of you know, football fans would see it that way as, as, as well. You know, we are we're, we're a football giant, um, and I, I just think the club need to learn the lesson because, you know, we're, we're already into um, into pre-season. We need to make a fast start in regards to transfers because the, the rebuild job is glaring. You know, we'll come on to it in a minute, but the the amount of key players that we need, um, and and potentially there could be one or two massive outgoings. Um, you know, there the could be at least one that I think probably most people are expecting, but I, I think the the vultures are circling around some of our our prized assets. And again, if we don't get things in order, what you know, why would those players stay? You know, what why would they offer the loyalty if if we've not got our own house in order? Because we, we've not got the basics, we've not got the fundamentals, and th- this is an opportunity for the club to be really sharp, isn't it? And like you said earlier, Mike, again and again, we don't seem to be learning the lessons. You know, key complaint from the fans has been about communication. You know, you've not kept to your deadline. Communicate to the fans. You know, just just put something something out there. Find you know, find a way to not reassure people, but let people know what's going on, because otherwise it just drives anxiety. And if it's driving anxiety in the fan base, it's going to be filtering through elsewhere as well. And I, I completely agree with you. You know, how do you sell, a, a, you know, a, Everton as a as a desirable vision, other than clinging onto the coattails of, you know, the the new stadium at Bramley Moor? And I, I, I don't know about you. I think one one reason I, I continually go for a little visits to, to Bramley Moor, usually with you, Mike, is it, it gives me something more positive to focus on than what's going on at Goodison Park because it's a complete mess. And you, you get frustrated, don't you? Because you think, you know, look, how long is it going to take you, Everton, to to learn this lesson and, and, and sort it out? And every time they seem to, you know, move in the right direction or suggest they're doing the right thing, you think, oh, OK, you know, finally, finally, this nightmare could be over and next season could be different. They, they kind of undermine themselves by uh, by making a mess of it or, or not getting it quite right. So you, you feel like going going down and shaking people, don't you? I think it's not, I think that's some really good points there, Pete. It's not just unbelievable that you said that we were linked with players that were linked with those sort of teams and the likes of IU turned us down apparently to go to Forest. 
you know, and you look at the Danjima saga as well and the farce that happened there. You know what I mean? I mean, the lads end up going to Spurs and playing like, you know, what, probably less than 90 minutes of football in the Premier League. It's 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 unacceptable as well as being unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? And and the club is just, you know, if, if there's rumours, obviously, a lot of rumours come out in the last few days about Alex Awobi being linked, you know, apparently making noises saying he wants to go and play with the Champions League club. Now, I know Alex is divided opinion amongst the fan base, but I think most of us fans, certainly us on this podcast, have really, you know, respected what he's given us the last two years. I think he's been, I think he's been one of our best players. And if you look at the stats, he's certainly been one of most, our most creative players. But if, you, if, if I'm Alex Awobi now, I've just had two absolute stressful seasons at the wrong end of the table. You know, I'm not, no longer playing under Carlo, competing for a European place. I'm scrapping at the bottom end of the league. You know, we've sold some of our best players. You know, since since, since Alex in the last two years, eh? You know, the likes of Richarlison's gone, the likes of um, you know Luca Dean has gone. You know, even even the likes of Hammers and all that. You know, you've gone from playing with those players to suddenly playing with Neil Mope. You know what I mean? So if I if I if I'm Alex Awobi, they're thinking the club haven't even you know the board directors have walked, the, the chairman's actually going. There's no rumours about who's coming in. Okay, you know, there's no definitive uh, answer who's coming in. I'd be sitting there, I'd be on the phone to my agent going, get me out of here. I don't want another 12 months of stress, you know, fighting at the wrong end of the table. And you know, fans can, can, can give him jip if he said that or not. But at the end of the day, you know, he's got a finite career as a footballer. Why would he want to stay another year at our club at the minute? You know, he's an Arsenal fan. He's not an Everton fan. He's from London, you know what I mean? So for him, he's probably thinking, if I can try and find a club competing in Europe, you know, once if someone like West Ham came in for him now, he'd probably go. You know what I mean, because you know, as, as as much as we'd hate to say that, you know, they've they've just come off the back of having one of the best nights in their history, and you can take the mick out of the you know whatever cup they've won, but you know that we we'd 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 have that as fans, wouldn't we? We'd love that an away day, winning a trophy like that, regardless of how minuscule it is. You know, those scenes of David Moyes running on the pitch there, I, I, you know, I know again it divided opinion. I was happy for him, I was ecstatic for him because you know what, fair play, he's nearly lost his job. And he's taken West Ham to a European final and won it. You know what I mean? And and so if even if someone like they them came in for for Wobi now, he'd probably go. And that that's 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 a sad indictment of where where we are now. Like you said, Pete, not getting your house in order, not having a clear definitive plan, uh, means that players are going to start looking elsewhere. Apparently, Pickford's come out, hasn't he, and said, "I love the club. I want to stay." To be honest, that that for me could be noise leaked by his agent and everything else. Saying that, yeah, the club sold me. I didn't want to leave because I, I, I can pretty much say now I'd be very surprised if Jordan Pickford starts first game of the season for us. Rumours again, he was linked with United yesterday. Uh, Spurs will need a new keeper. You know, let's be honest, he's one of the main reasons why we've stayed up, isn't it? In the last two years, he's been outstanding. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I, Onana, you know, that's pretty much we all know that he'll probably be going. Arsenal are heavily linked with him. Chelsea are linked with him. Um, yeah, I could see that happening, but it worries me because you know you sell Gordon for forty million, good deal. You sell Richarlison, you sell all these players, and yet we, we barely reinvested it back into the squad. You know, if Pickford goes and Onana goes, there's another hundred million potentially between the two of them. Would you be confident that's going to go directly on players to replace, you know, to improve the squad? I'm not, based on what we've seen from the sale of some of the other guys. So, you know, people forget the Moyes key money as well. You know what I mean? That, throw that in the mix. That's another, you know, 28 million, whatever it was, or 25 million. 
So it it, re- it really concerns me. We've got the Premier League all over us as well in terms of you know our finances. It's it massively worries me. It massively worries me in terms of we've we've, we've escaped by the skin of our teeth the last two seasons and then potentially going to go into the new league with a just as weak squad, if not weaker. And I know that's you know. We don't know yet the window, you know, with the window and everything else. But you know what I mean? It, it, it looks at the moment we haven't got a house in order whatsoever. You know, how much money we've we even got to spend, no one even knows. None of us know. Got no clue. So it, do, it, does, it does concern me when you see other teams around us who are, who are only going to get stronger. They're only going to get stronger, aren't they? Well, the, well, the frightening thing is that we, we could go into the first game of the season at home to Fulham with, with a weaker squad than we had on the on the last game of the season against Bournemouth. And in that game, we only named eight substitutes. And I think two of them were young kids and two of them were substitute goalkeepers. So we could go into that, that game in a worse state, which is frightening to think, really, if you, if you think about it. And then the start, because the start 11 that we had against Bournemouth, out of that, Conor Cody and Yerry Mina have already gone. So there's two players who arguably, you know, would be starting or could start the new season. And it's it's what do we do between now and obviously the first game of the season, and that's where that's where the whole situation surrounding the board and surrounding the message that it's actually given. You know, when if you're issuing a statement as a club, given a deadline and a time a time frame, then you stick to it. If they would have come out and said last Monday, right, these three board members have, have gone. Um, there'll be announcements in due course in regards to the future of Chairman Bill Kenwright um, and an interim board. If they would have come up with that and said in due course or whatever and give themselves longer, then that would have been, I'd say would have been fine. Obviously, we know Bill Kenwright will, has to leave the club, but that would have made more sense and he would have covered their own back more importantly. That's the biggest thing. Don't give a deadline of 48 hours and then expect to not release any kind of statements because all the noises on Wednesday were it's coming, it's coming, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be here. Five o'clock at the latest. Never came. And to just go about the business as normal, as if as if it's it's okay. And then you start to get publications releasing their own stories, which obviously are coming from certain people from within the club about reasons why. And you know, I saw one this morning. Um, I think it was like the Sunday Mirror was the one he was quoted saying, "If Bill Kenwright goes, then it's bad news for Sean Dyche, and Sean Dyche could be facing the sack." And you're getting these kind of stories now. So yet again, whether that's true or not, which I seriously doubt it. You know, Sean Dyche, as we all know, deserves massive credit for doing what he did last season and keeping us up, and deserves a chance to 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 build his own side. Whether it's true or not, yet again, as a player. If you're looking to come to a new club and you see that, what are you going to think? Are you going to want to come there? Because I wouldn't do if I was if I was a footballer. I would want to come into to this circus because Everton just can't get their own house in order to allow us to move forward. So we're an easy target in a minute for the press, aren't we? Yeah, mm. that article in the week, Vince um, wrote it. The guy from the Guardian was a disgrace, by the way, absolute disgrace. Was you know, commenting on. I don't know whether it was Andy Hunter. I think it was another guy. When it Hunter wrote the recent one, which was again scathing, but there was a lot of truth in it. But um, it, it, was, it was just a disgrace. It was almost like, yeah, everything have already been done by the FFP police, you know, by, by the parents. They've already been, you know, there's loads of assumptions in it. You know, nothing's even started in that proceeding, Jerry. There'll be a lot of investigation that needs to go on. 
And it was almost like, yeah, these clubs are suing Everton again. You know, they're suing Everton, Leeds, Burnley, all of them, all suing Everton. And it was just like, again, you know, pathetic journalism. But the thing is, we're an easy target at the minute because obviously we're in such a mess. You know, and, you know, I think the reason why Bill hasn't gone as yet is I think there's probably a couple of reasons. OK, these are just obviously speculation, but I think have they have they got someone definitively lined up yet? I don't think they have. You know, like you said, there's rumours with 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 Andy from AJ Bell, big Evertonian, very successful local businessman. You know, if he came in, you know, um, to lend his support to the board, his knowledge, then I wouldn't be too averse to that. You know, I mean, he's, he's clearly a very commercially savvy guy. Can he? Can, what can he attract? Clearly loves the club. Big, big, like I said, a big blue. But I think one of the, re- uh, the other reasons being mentioned is the fact that Bill still got shares, isn't he, in, and and in the club. And, and and obviously Farhad is committed to buying buying those often by all accounts. They have some sort of agreement. The thing is, even if he has got shares, he can still step down as chairman. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think that puts that one to bed. Um, but I generally think I don't think they've got anyone concrete lined up. And again, how long have they had? They knew this was going to happen. The, you know, the board of directors or the directors who, who've walked so far, and Bill, they haven't been at a game since January. So you'd have think again, you, you, or you'd have thought again, this would all be lined up. Now maybe are they, is this delayed because of the MSP capital thing? You know, because that's not quite gone through yet. Are they waiting for that to go through? Again, we're filling in the gaps ourselves, aren't we, as fans? Because there's no communication. Like you said, there, Mike, self-imposed 48-hour deadline. Why have you done that to yourselves? Why? Makes no sense. You've, you're basically setting yourself up potentially to fail again. You, like you said, there, just say in due course. Uh, you know, we expect Bill to, you know, or, or whatever, whatever words you want to choose. And and again, it just makes them look really, really amateurish. And this is what we want as change. You know, if anyone, if these if these people come in, we just want us run in a really efficient manner. You know, it's not too late. We can, we can improve the squad. We can go out and be savvy in the market and we can go into the first game of the season, hopefully with a squad. And hopefully, you know, that, that's, that will compete maybe for sort of, mid-table, maybe possibly European places, it is, it is quite tight. It's not as if the others are miles ahead of us. You know, if we're savvy in this window, we, we could build a squad around that. We certainly need a couple of strikers. Uh, not about their course, please. But, um, but yeah, but you, you know what I'm saying? The gap isn't huge, is it, between there and sort of maybe, you know, eighth, ninth or something like that, you know, for that little leap that we need to make to get back up there competing. We just need to basically make sure we, you know, the next couple of months... We say it all the time, but the next couple of months is crucial, you know, in terms of incomings and outgoings. Um, the worrying thing is for me, they've not, they've not, they've not snapped up Cody on that. And I know again he split opinion, but if we're ha- if we're worried about four and a half million, and I know his wages were about eighty grand or something like that, maybe that was a reason as well. But that worries me a little bit that you know we're not getting someone like him in, certainly in the dressing room. You know what I mean? For for his leadership ability, four and a half million in today's market is like nothing, is it? It's an absolute for a Premier League club. That's absolutely peanuts. So maybe that does worry me a little bit. Thing that are we that cautious? Are we setting that close to the wind that we can't even you know go, go and commit and bring this lad in, or is it a negotiation tactic with Wolves? Don't know. Maybe we'll go back in for him again. We don't know, but. Something needs something needs uh, sorting in the next week or so, just just so we can go into the transfer window and into pre-season looking like we're resembling a football club. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, if, if, we, uh, if we don't go back and for Connor Cody, which certainly is, is not on the cards at the moment, um, there was talk yesterday of also uh, Sean Dice being undecided in regards to Mason Holgate, Ben Godfrey and Michael Keane. So we could be going into the, into the first game of the season with about two centre halves, and one of them includes a returning Jared Branthwaite. So it's um, I think I think what it what it tells you is as a club and all the noise coming out of the club is they just don't know what what sort of direction we're going to have to take from a, a financial perspective in terms of what players we, we we're going to have to move on. I mean, looking looking at the at the contract situation for next season, you mentioned Alex Obi. It goes into his final year, so he's out of contract in twenty twenty four. So. There's, there's been a new contract on the table for a long, long time, a new five-year deal for Alex Obobi. It's not being signed. Um, yeah, understandably so, I suppose, from the player's perspective. Uh, the club are obviously keen to keep him. But if it gets to the point where nothing's being signed as a summer transfer window goes on, then do not be surprised if Alex Obobi has moved on because Everton can't afford then to lose money on a player um, he's going to go into the last year of his contract because obviously from the January he can he can sign a pre-contract with another club anyway and go for three in the summer. So Evan, I'm sure, will be keen not to do that. Um, you've then you then look obviously the core signing you a new deal, didn't he? Um, so he's got a further year. Ellis Sims' contract is up in in 2024. A lot of talk around him potentially Sunderland back back in the mix of him. I think I saw Ipswich as well the other day. A lot of people fans thinking that maybe. If we go in for, for the currency uh, conference striker, uh, that that maybe Alice Sims could form part of that particular deal. Who knows? Um, so there's a there's a few players there that are going to the last year. But in terms of outgoings, Pete, we've mentioned obviously a few there. The most saleable assets from a financial perspective are Amadou Onana and Jordan Pickford. Obviously, with Onana, there's a sell-on clause, 20% to Lille. You'd assume that's 20% of the profit. That tends, tends to be standard um, when it comes to sell-on clauses. So there's him, a lot of talk around Arsenal, Chelsea. Like Lee said, obviously Jordan Pickford, Manchester United. I think Tottenham, from what I saw from Fabrizio Romano, put out that they've got uh, that uh, David Raya from Brentford. That's all sewn up and done. So he's got to come in and, and replace Hugo Lloris at, at Spurs. So the only real destination for Jordan Pickford in this country, you would say, would be Manchester United because all the talk is, is obviously of the hair going. Obviously, I mean, Onana, I think, has split his opinion a little bit. I think he's got a high ceiling. I think, you know, such a young kid, he can go on and do really, really big things. But to focus solely on Jordan Pickford, like Lee said, if it wasn't for him, the last two seasons, we probably would have gone down because Pickford, I think, has been, has been terrific. How much of a loss would he be? To, to Everton Football Club, if Everton said, well, you know, 45, 50 million pounds, which is being muted today, is is, is a lot of money. We've got to, we're going to take it on your go. How much of a loss would that be if we actually decided to, to move Jordan Pickford on? I mean, I don't want to be catastrophic about it, but I think at this stage, it, it doesn't bear thinking about. I think what Lee said earlier was was spot on. I mean, number one, 45 million for Jordan Pickford is is daylight robbery. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. If, if you went for anything less than 
um, you know, a deal going up to 70, I, I would I feel very annoyed. Um, but then it's also, you know, how much of that money are we going to see? How much of that money is going to be reinvested in the squad? And what do you, you know, what are you losing? You're losing one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You know, I know it's, again, it's another football cliche, but you know, your, your number one behind your back four is you kind of your first and last bastion of um, of stability. And he, he, look, I, I know his his mistakes get highlighted. I, I think our feeling on this podcast is. Jordan Pickford's an easy target and tends to get scrutinised a lot more than other goalkeepers. Um, you know, there are a number of times I, I can pluck off the top of my head where both Aaron Ramsdale, Ramsdale and Nick Pope made really high-profile mistakes uh, in big games. And, you know, there, there wasn't a, a whiff of negative press coverage in the same way that Jordan Pickford gets absolutely hounded and the same clip gets played over and over again in slow motion and, you know, scrutinised over. Uh, whereas his world-class saves gets you know, no acknowledgement whatsoever. But I think you're, you're both absolutely spot on. He, you know, he has kept us up. He, he's a massive leader. Um, and I, I think, you know, how he's developed at the club, you know, in terms of his leadership, his maturity, his, you know, his, his all-round game, um, I, I think it's really commendable. And I, I just think it would be a huge loss, you know, like you were saying just then, given how threadbare our squad is um you know the the, the potential loss of really key players the, the recent loss of, of really key players the last thing that we need is to to lose jordan pickford um and if if we did i'm not confident that we would be able to replace him with enough quality to um to make us strong enough for next season so you know I, i'd rather keep him for another one or two years and him go for less money than for him to go this season for 45, 50 million, which I think would be like cutting off one of our arms. I, I, I think it's not inconceivable right now that there will be that much change. It won't be far off almost a Knott's Forest situation. <laughs> you know I mean? Where, where there's, obviously, it won't be as bad as that. A lot of them were loan players for them, but you know what I mean? That type of scenario where we end up almost having a, you know, 40% of our squad are, 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 have left and, and been replaced. You know, when you've been linked with the likes of Morales from um, from Rangers and things like that, you know he's obviously a talented kid, but he's clearly a nut job. Then you, you're just thinking, like, you know, what I mean, I mean, you mentioned Goykieras there of Coventry. I think that 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 that. I know we were linked with him last season. In the end, we didn't want to pay what what Coventry were were, were asking for, and rumours are we're going in now trying to get him for around fifteen. Now that that for me would be, you know. With the, in the ponds we're fishing in a clever a clever signing, you know what I mean? Because he's he's got a lot of similar attributes to Calvert Lewin. He's clearly a good you know a goal scorer. Okay, the big question mark is can he do it in the Premier League? That's always a, a risk. But when you look at his attributes and think of that, that would be a sensible signing, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? Because you know in, in we, the amount of times when Calvert Lewin was out and we 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 couldn't replace like for like, well that would that would be a clever signing. So. You know, for, for me now, look how other clubs operate. I know, I know we're hindered by finances, but we should be going straight in there and sealing that off before everybody else gets involved. You know, if 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 the player the player is a talented kid, I could see other clubs going in for him as well, and and, and that'll probably be the case. So we run the risk again of being rejected um, for not for not getting a house in order. So 
for me, things like that, those sort of signings need to happen and then just give the fans some confidence and some faith that we're doing business early. You know, we went into last season, the start of last season, if you remember, guys, it was a mess, wasn't it? We didn't have a centre forward for the first few games, and then eventually after the, you know we ended up panicked by Neil Mope. I think all the eggs were in were in the basket for um, for Brozier from Chelsea, wasn't it? Again, we've been linked with him again, um, potentially, you know. And in the end, that fell through, and then we ended up panicked by Neil Mope, which we all know that turned out an absolute disaster. So, um, yeah, it, it, it just it just doesn't fill me with confidence. Like, and well, like we've said earlier in the podcast, here, you know, if you're a player either at our club or being linked with our club right now, you'd be looking at it going. Do I want to go and play there? Do I really want to go and play there? You know, they just don't they just don't look well run. There's a lot of anxiety around the fan base. They've had two horrendous seasons. Yeah, okay, yeah, they've got the stadium they're going to and everything else. You could sell that to them, but it's a million miles away from basically Carlo Ancelotti ringing you up going, Do you want to come and play for Everson? I've got some, you know, world class players here, isn't it? In in, in two years. You know, someone phones you up and says, you want to come and play for Everton and, and you, you're Carlo Ancelotti. Well, you know, the phone call doesn't last last any more than two minutes, does it? You're already there. So, you know, it's 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 a very different scenario now. Um, and that's, that's, that's how far we've fallen in the last two years. You know, if you constantly don't reinvest in your squad, and I know we are hindered by finances, and that's a big reason why as well, but if you, it's only a matter of time. You know, we've got lucky twice. I, I can't see us getting lucky three times unless we sort it out. And that's that's a concern, isn't it? Is, is that you know going into the the first few games of the season? Obviously, fixtures have been released uh, over the last the last few days or so. Home games to start with, brilliant. Fulham at home, you, you've got to be you've got to be happy with that. Difficult sips, obviously, to to Aston Villa. Um, you know, we, we've got we don't play Arsenal in the fifth game. But we've got we've got games, you know, those, those first four games especially, which I mean, it, it sounds awful to say, you know, and, and really you shouldn't say it, but you would class them as as games that are that are winnable, and you know, not we know how this goes when you when you do say things like that, and Everton's never simple, but you know, home to Fulham, away to Villa, home to Wolves, away to Sheffield United, those those first four games, Villa probably being the toughest the toughest task there, given the the job that Unai Emery has done since he's come in. Uh, got them European football, then you, you look at that and you and you think Everton can't afford to give up points yet again at the start of a season. We've got to have the squad at a point on that first game of the season on the 12th of August where there might be one, maybe two squad places left to fill, but you're going to go in there with with you know better quality than what you ended the season with against Bournemouth. Otherwise, you know, the transfer window closes before that um, that Sheffield United game, which is the 2nd of September. Those first three games, you could be giving up points. And Everton can't, are not in a position where they can afford to do that. Every single game is vital. As I say, those two first home games, you know, they're both winnable games. You know, even with, with last season's squad, I know I'd still, on the first game of the season, I'd still fancy us to, to, to have a good go at Fulham. And potentially pick up three points. Now we've lost numerous players from that squad already. The squad was already unbalanced and, and not packed full of quality. If you imagine losing Jordan Pickford before that game and then having to go with Andy Lonigan or Jar Virginia, who's come back from loan. Imagine, because it, it's feasible. You know, imagine you've not replaced Jerry Mina 
imagine that you, you know, you maybe Onana's gone or he's in the throes of a transfer move and, and you go into the game without without him in the squad. Imagine Calvert Lewin's injured. You know, it, it it's all feasible. If we wait and wait and wait and wait because of the position that we find ourselves in, which obviously is yet again another um indictments about how, how poorly this, this board has, has operated and, that, and how poorly we've been run as a football club. If we if we go into that game and and those first three or four games with a poor side and give up points, we're going to find ourselves in serious, serious trouble yet again. And it sounds, you know, people might think that's slightly overreactive, but we've had two seasons of this, of this absolute nonsense. And the manager deserves backing for what he's done. He, he deserves support in terms of in, in the transfer market. And he, he deserves a chance to to build a, a squad that's more balanced and players that fit into his system. Because let's get it right at times under Sean Dyche, we were much more of an attack and threat than we were on, on the front Lampard. You know, whether that's because we were, we were better organised at set pieces, you know, we were doing the simpler things better. But I know the Brighton game was an anomaly, but there's other games where everything created chances a lot, and, and a lot of chances. Um should have really scored more goals if we had more quality. So, you know, we just, I dread to think what, what happens and, you know, the fact that we're having to wait to sell players to actually then make our moves because we know that these things can drag on. There's no guarantee that if, if we do say, right, we've got, we're going to sell Onana to whoever, there's no guarantee that happens before pre-season. There's no guarantee it happens, you know, in the, you know, before August. It could go on to the last week of the transfer window. And yet again, like you said, Lee, you know, we, we find ourselves fishing in certain markets and panicking and bringing in players that really don't offer anything to, to the uh, the quality of the squad. And you just you just got sorry, mate, you just gotta hope Thelwell and him are joined at the hip here, haven't we? The biggest thing we one of the biggest reasons we're in this mess is is you know, su- successive managers wanting to bring in their own players and not working with the directors of, directors of football. Obviously, Marcel Brands before and now Thelwell now. But, you know, what are Thelwell's fingerprints on Neil Mopé? Possibly, you know what I mean? In terms of, like, on the list of players, you know, Premier League proven, that sort of thing. You know, these sort of... You, you know, Onana, he's clearly... That's, that, that, that screams like someone like Thelwell, maybe, that, that, was, that was, you know, looking, to, looking to, sign, to sign him and he was on the list. You know, that's where we should be as a club, and it going in after someone like Onana, paying whatever we pay for him, twenty five, thirty million, and then selling him for a profit. You know that that that's that's doing good business. That's how you do it, and and you know you just got to hope that those two are joined. Like I said, joined at the hip in terms of you know we we've clearly been looking for players, clearly been scouting for players. You know we just got to go after our targets and hopefully get you know players in each position. I'd feel a lot more confident if we went in. With you know roughly two players for every position going into next season, I'm not saying they have to be you know top top quality, but you know what I mean. I'd feel like if I suddenly, like, for example, we had that Goykieres and we had another striker, potentially even another forward as well, and and then we had a couple of wingers, then we had you know some decent fullbacks as backup. You know what I mean? I think Mikhalenko could probably go. Rumours are that he may go, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised anyway, to be honest, because you know in modern day football you need more attacking fullbacks. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going. But then I, I'd want to see two decent shouts. You, you look at someone like Brighton going in and get Esther Pinyan. I don't even want to heard of Esther Pinyan before he signed for Brighton. No, you know what I mean. And he goes on and, and, and has one of, you know, one of the best left backs in the league. And then, and then you look at, um, 
lad, you know, we sold Luca Dean to Villa. Straight away, uh, Emre probably doesn't really fancy him defensively. Goes and signs Moreno, and Moreno again. What, what, you know, one of the best left backs in the league in the last half of the season. You know, that, that's what I mean. There's players out there that are within our reach. You know, we don't have to be going out and spending, I mean, Chelsea money and that we couldn't anyway. But you know what I mean? There are players out there where if we could get those sort of players, yeah, I'd feel way more confident then. Um, but my worry is, is that we've, you know, like I said before, the Moise Keane money, you know, the Anthony Gordon money, the Richarlison money, now potentially the Onana money, then the Pickford money, thinking how much of that are we going to realistically be able to spend? Or if we are going to be able to spend, how, how many players has that got to stretch across? That's five players I've listed out. Have we got to, have we got to sign 10 with the same money? You know what I mean? That that's 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 the, the you know the legitimate concern concern you know and and if that is the case, which I don't think it's far off, then we have to be very very savvy with it, don't we? Um, and I just hope to God we don't do what we normally do, where we wait till the last or we're forced to wait till the last few days of the season because we just you know we're offering to pay it on Klarna over twenty years. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Pete, but I, I just think that they do need to. They do need to, you know, go into that first game of the season. You know, if we are selling Pickford, all of us would hate it. But we just get it done. Don't wait till the last day of the season. You know what I mean? Just get it done. If he is going and, he, you know, get the money in and go and get his replacement straight away. Have it lined up the day after so we've got someone coming in straight away. Well, I think you're spot on. Like, like you say, the, the last two windows have shown how not to do it. And I know there have been unique circumstances about, you know, around those windows, but particularly the last two in terms of, uh, FFP and again, there's not a great deal of clarity as in, in terms of where you know where we stand in regards to FFP and um, you lads might might have seen that. I mean, I thought it was it was bizarre, but but you know apparently the the, the financial regulation breach is regarding unpaid tax relating to the stadium, not to player uh, player incomings and outgoings, which you know I suppose blew my mind a little bit because it's very different from the um, the narrative that surrounded the last couple of windows so it's it's really hard to know what's going on and what position we're in um and, and usually get you know going into a transfer window we, we've got a pretty good idea haven't we of, you know of, of, of how much we've got to spend you know people you know usually do do the do the sums you know looking at the kind of season activity and who we're expecting to go and what's going on with contracts so, so usually as a fan base, we have a, a fairly good idea around, you know, who the key targets are uh, for which positions and roughly how much we, uh, you know, we have to spend. And I, th- I think there's a real mass uncertainty, or, you know, about what our financial position is. Um, and like, you know, Lee was saying then, we're, we're in this kind of mass uncertainty where we could be losing, you know, one, two, maybe more key first team players. We've got a threadbare squad, and we're we're not sure if we're even going to be able to, um, you, you know, to fill those positions. So it it just feels utterly precarious, and and you know, I'm not expecting the club to work miracles, but the best thing they can do is can learn the lessons of the recent past, have have better communications with the fan base, um, you know, particularly in in terms of the the board and things at the, the kind of highest structural level of the club. But also, you know, try and be active in the market. Um, you know, it might be that they don't want to re- reveal their hand too too clearly, but it's it's really really difficult not knowing what position we're go- we're going to be in going into that first game of the season. And like you said, Mike, it 
it could potentially be a you know a, a really nervy time. Um, we're we're coming up to transfer deadline day. You know, a couple of fixtures deep. Um, you know, not knowing if we're going to be able to uh, bring enough quality in. Yeah, it's 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 a poor position that we find ourselves in yet again. And like like Lee had said about the the players that we'd sold for the money that we'd sold them for, you know, the, the forty five million pound Anthony Gordon has, has been eaten up. It seems Everton are going to be in profit for for the twenty two twenty three financial um, year, which oh yeah, you know, fantastic. You know, it, it puts us in a better position from that perspective. But there's clearly a bit of a cash flow issue here within the club and within all the uncertainty surrounding the the investments, the surrounding the board, the chairman. You know, they've announced they've announced this week that the uh, the hearing has been set for the 25th of October in regards to to the financial or potential breach of financial rules. So that's hanging over our head now. We we've got a definite date. I'm sure. Well, say I'm sure the club are working on 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 the, the defence, but who, who knows? But apparently the, the the club are pretty sure. Like you said, Peter, it seems to be relating to to tax implications surrounding the stadium. Absolutely baffling. You know what? what it makes no sense. It doesn't even feed into to Providence Sustainability and FFP. So what what's going on? So it, 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 the whole thing stinks to me, basically. And we've had more coverage as a football club for this one alleged breach than Man City have had for 115 different charges. So it's just, there's this is when you start to question, you know, about things being a witch hunt. Because we've been close to the trapdoor for the last two seasons, um, because obviously we, we've we've run things very very close potentially over with the financial side of things, it's getting to the point now where I think Everton as a football club are just pissing everybody off. <laughs> every every other club in the Premier League, other sets of fans, directors, whoever it might be, they, you know, they, they annoy us on a daily basis. Um, but it's it's a terrible situation we find ourselves in in a summer transfer window, looking like we haven't got a great deal of money to throw around at all potentially again missing out on key targets uh, and, and also not making any of many moves in the in the transfer window in terms of free transfers as we as we speak very early don't get me wrong it's very early I know that but you, you what we are seeing teams Brighton in particular making making early moves um and I just like like we said I just don't, don't want to throw away points in those first three games because we haven't got our, our transfer targets in and we'll wait until the final week of the window to bring players in. We cannot afford to throw points away and give up and just say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. We, we'll be better in a few weeks when we get a few more players in. That can't be the approach. It's got to be totally aligned between manager and, and Kevin Thelwell and it's got to be players who are brought in to make this side more balanced, more competitive and give us a season where, you know, which is going to be the last, the last full season of Goodison Park, give us a season where as fans, we aren't going the game on edge every other week at Goodison Park. We can enjoy the final full season at Goodison and, and, and get some pride back into to our football club once again because at this moment in time, we're still a laughing stock. Yeah, and when, when, when you caveat that, when you look at like, you know, the rumours are Newcastle have got a minimum of 150 million to spend without selling any players. You know, they've just they've just announced a shirt sponsor deal. I don't know whether you guys saw that. Uh, from a, a Saudi-owned, you know, uh, part of the investment fund business, that um, you know, I don't think they even had a website when they announced it. You know what I mean? It, it just, it's just man. And, and, and now they've they, they've released a website, and if you read the statement on it, it's 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 written by some guy doing a GCSE project. 
You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I just look at that going, well, there, here we go, another state-owned club essentially now being able to do what they want, inject money in through fake companies or shell companies. You know, rumours, you know, again, rising again that the Glazers are going to sell to the Qataris. I mean, can you imagine how powerful Man United would be if the Qataris took over that football club? I mean, yeah, I hate to say it, you know, you'd, you'd almost pack up and go home. Because, you know, they will then, the spending power they will have, which is already significant anyway, based on the obviously inflated turnover they've had over the years they've been in the Premier League. You know, they'll be able to just go out and, and, and bid for any player they want, the Mbappes of this world and people like that. So it's, you know, rumours again, Chelsea. Chelsea spending, apparently going to spend fortunes again this summer. You know, there's already rumours that they're, they're being linked with the likes of Neymar now, aren't they, and play, people like that, and, and even Mbappe himself. You know what I mean? So then you're just thinking like this is this is just this is just nuts. You know, we, we can't even confirm the signing of, of Connor Cody for four and a half million. You know what I mean, and then you've got other clubs out there going out spending that sort of money. Um, and look, don't get me wrong. A lot of it, a lot of these problems are self-inflicted for the way we've been run. Don't get me wrong, but um, and the lack of commercial deals and got that. But it's still, it's still, you know, it still makes you look at the game and, and just think like, how can you even compete? Certainly with the upper echelons like that with when it comes to finances. And then we all know whether you like it or not, you can have the best coach in the world, but you still got to have players. You still got to have decent players in there. You know what I mean? And, and you know, coaches have got to be able to work with, with, with players. And and, uh, and look, there, there is a mark. If we had Piv on here right now, he'd be, he'd, he'd be probably saying, look, there are players out there. Brighton have showed it. Other clubs have showed it. But at the same time, we, we can't even we can't even sort out a board of directors. Never mind going outside and you know being clever in the transfer market. So look, let's not try and be too doom and gloom. We can maybe look at this picture maybe in a few weeks, and we might have a few players through the door. You know, we might be looking like we're resembling a football club again. But right now, it 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 just worries me a little bit, and I think that's the overriding feeling, isn't it, between all of us? It's a bit just a sense of worry again, isn't it? It is, it is, and that, that that's that's it, isn't it? We, we're all concerned about the um, the state of the club and, and what's happening behind the scenes and what impression that gives to to us as fans and and potential players who, who are going to come through the door. So there, there's a lack of trust there, which has been built over a number of years. But let's see how the next next few weeks play out. But that's us for this week. Uh, enjoy getting back on after a few weeks break. It's been nice and relaxed, that's for sure. And we'll be back ourselves at some point over the next few weeks or so once uh, more things happen at Goodison Park and Finch Farm and, and the players start to return for pre-season. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.